Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Hebrews 12.1 As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. Folks, you're never on your own. God's with you. And there's a whole lot of people in this life and people that have gone before us witnessing our lives. The enemy tries to isolate us, but let me tell you, you're never alone. It goes on. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Uh Uh-oh, that's true, eh? Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out for us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Wow. So life's pressures come, and today we're reminded, lift your eyes to Jesus and see what he's paid for us. And Jamie shared that so well at communion today, that we are his precious possession. And we all run the race of life. We run a marathon. Life is a marathon. It's not just a short sprint. It's a marathon. We have good days and bad days. You have headwinds, you had storms, you have disappointments, you have setbacks, you have tailwinds sometime and you achieve and you run and so many and you've got people running with you and other times you feel like you're running that race on your own. But let's run our race. But here today we see sometimes there's weights that get onto us. I've talked to people who've joined the army and they've got to do their, their boot camp and they make them run kilometres carrying a 50 kilo grand pack of whatever in their boots and I think how on earth can you run with that and some of us feel like we're carrying this heavy weight through the journey of life the word of God says put it aside everything you can lay it down and it says don't let sin entangle you I used to cross country running you'd be running through the bush and then you get tripped up by a vine and tang your legs and you'd end up in a heap on the mud and I thought well, how did that happen We get so easily entangled, it says, by sin and issues in our souls, in our lives. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, don't let those things entangle you or trip you up and don't carry extra weights. If you're running this journey, Jesus already paid the price. Don't carry a weight of shame and guilt. Don't carry the expectations of other people unnecessarily. Don't carry extra baggage in, on our journey. When we get offended, we carry that as a weight in our soul. Or we carry the shame of the past when Jesus already said, hey, leave it at the foot of the cross. Don't pick it up and take it again. Leave it behind. I remember when we were, uh, I was young down on a youth group on the Sunset Coast, someone had the bright idea, let's climb one of those glasshouse mountains. And I was into climbing and so we, we went and we climbed this mountain but we said, when we get to the top, we'll have a picnic lunch. So we carried up nice cold bottles of Coke that were really hot and fizzy by the time we got to the top. It's about a two-hour climb, slipping. Someone said, let's take a watermelon up. So I'm trying to slide up this hill carrying this watermelon. 
not dropping it and smashing it. No, it was just an absolute circus. We get to the top. The melon by now is hot. When we get there, there's about 40 million flies. <laughs> so we cut the melon open. We're trying to swish it. Like that. What a disaster that trip was. But I remember, I look back there, why on earth did I carry that melon and all these cans of Coke and drink and all we should have taken was a bottle of water, enjoyed the journey. And it took us hours longer to get up there. And some of us are like that in the journey of life. We're carrying all this extra stuff that we don't need to be carrying. We carry sin and shame and, and fear and anxiety. And we've been doing a series on Sunday nights on some of the negative emotions. We've talked about anger and anxiety and fear. We don't need to carry those things. Today I want to look at a couple of others that sometimes become weights in our soul. Jealousy, envy and covetousness. Things we don't think about very often but they grab us it says let go of the sin that we so easily fall into that entangles us and I don't focus on sin or things of the past I focus on Jesus but you've got to be aware that they're out there it's like when I get in the car I'm not thinking about um, afraid I'm going to have an accident I just want to get to the destination but I've learned to be aware and careful with the road rules Aware of the conditions, also aware of other drivers and push bike riders and pedestrians and mobility scooters and whatever else is on our amazing roads and kangaroos. We were driving to the hospital last Friday night and we nearly had a kangaroo taken Maryland to the hospital. It was that close. Just came out of the side, didn't see it coming. And so when we drive, we don't drive with fear that we're going to have an accident but we drive to the conditions, we're aware. And it's a bit like that with sin and some of these things like jealousy and envy and covetousness. We're not fighting them all the time and afraid they're going to overwhelm our heart, but we need to be aware what they are and don't let them get a hold of us and don't carry the weight of them, otherwise life becomes unnecessarily difficult. So let's look at these today. James 3.13 If you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God... Advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life guided by wisdom's gentleness. That's, that's fantastic, isn't it? Never brag or boast about what you've done and you'll tr- prove that you're truly wise. No one wants to be around braggers or boasters. We love to hear each other's stories, but we don't want to have people bragging and boasting all the time because it just, turn, it just turns people away. But if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by boasting and being phony. Wow. We've all met people like that, hey? They're telling you stories, but it just doesn't add up and and sometimes there's stuff happening in their heart. Then don't deny it and try to compensate. For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can best be described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish and devilish. So whenever, wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. Wow. One of the versions says where there's strife, where there's jealousy, there's strife, there's room for every other evil work. So sometimes these things affect us and we don't realise the power. But the wisdom from above is always pure, filled with peace, considerate and teachable. It is filled with love and never displays prejudice or hypocrisy in any form. And it always bears the beautiful harvest of righteousness. 
Good seeds of free wisdom fruit will be planted with peaceful acts by those who cherish making peace. Well, what a comparison. We've got God's wisdom and lifestyle of righteous, and we've got our own selfish ways that while we live in this world, we've got to be careful what we choose and how we respond every day in life. And jealousy can be a, a terrible, the green-eyed monster, as someone called it. In uh, the NIV, it says, verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. You ever notice that when there's strife in a household, everything else starts to break loose? And before you know it, normal boundaries and relationships are torn. You can have it in a workplace. You can be having a great atmosphere in a workplace and someone new comes in and within weeks, the whole place is in chaos because one person came in with a jealous, competitive heart or carrying junk in their soul and it just spills out before you know it, you've got everyone fighting one another. You think back, how did this start? Someone carried in jealousy and strife and envy of wanting to be better and prove themselves and all of a sudden there's chaos in that workplace or a family. And God says, hey, don't let that rule your life. Let's get rid of that weight so you can run the race with perseverance. And I know that's not something we all wrestle with all the time, but let me tell you, it's a very subtle thing that can get into our hearts. In the Amplified it says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. Mate, it gets worse. You think, boy, this is a bit negative. But we've got to realise that this is what destroys so many households. This is what undermines our relationships in wherever we are. And we're going to say, God, let it never take root in my heart. Let Let me never be so competitive with, to, to want to win at the expense of having to put someone else down. That's, that's driven of envy and jealousy. The um, King James Version says, For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Wow. Lord, help us never let that stuff get in our hearts. I read these uh, comments here, jealousy, the green-eyed monster. One of the most common types of jealousy is romantic jealousy in relationships. You've got a couple that are good, good trust in relation, then one gets jealous of the other and all of a sudden there's mistrust, there's fear, there's confusion, strife, anger and sometimes even violence all driven over jealousy whether it was justified or not. It can become controlling. Some of us sadly have been through that journey. We also tend to feel jealous about other people's successes, strengths, lifestyles and relationships. For instance, we might believe Someone's life is much easier or more comfortable than, our, than ours. I've seen this even in church life. Where you've got three people praying for breakthrough in their family and one seems to get the breakthrough and the other two saying, God, where are you? And they become envious of why God's heard their prayer and answered quicker than the others. Now, don't be too spiritual here. We've all probably wrestled with that sometimes. And, and we've got to be careful we don't let envy or jealousy get in or someone else's breakthrough experience in God. It says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So when someone gets a breakthrough or an answered prayer, hey, let's all celebrate and say thank you, Jesus. Because if God sees our heart of celebration and unselfishness, guess what? He'll say, hey, I can trust that person to carry some more of my treasure to other people. And Mary Lynn and I have found that we can't let envy or jealousy grab a hold of us or thinking the church in the other town they're having incredible breakthroughs and they've got all these resources hey 
We've been to conferences and you've got to watch. You don't get jealous or envious of someone else. Let's rejoice in what God's doing because God knows why they need that extra right then or they need the breakthrough right then. So let's continue to pray and rejoice and let's not make room for this. It goes on, we see only the good in their life and only the bad in ours. Wow. Or we might believe our best friend has a better relationship with another friend. Social networking sites such as Facebook also can trigger jealousy. Wow, this is a really big issue. Today our online and offline worlds overlap, so there's a lot more confusion and complexity in relationships and more ways to compare ourselves to others. So what do we do on Facebook or Instagram? We just put up all the photos of the great highlights of our life. We never put up the lowlights because we don't want anyone to think we're not coping. And so it gives a distorted perspective of reality. Insecurity often underlies jealousy. We'll, we feel threatened or less than or not good enough. We fear that someone else's strengths mean something negative about us when that's not necessarily true. You see how subtle this is? God says, hey, don't let this trip you up. What about Joseph? Joseph and his brothers. Jacob, his father, favoured Joseph and so gave him the coat of many colours Joseph has a couple of dreams about all of his brothers and his mum and dad bowing down him. Well, that didn't go over too well with him because they already didn't like him because he was the favoured one and they were jealous of their father's extra attention to him. So there was a whole lot of striving. It got so bad that it says they hated him. They were going to kill him. Thankfully, the older brother Simeon says, no, let's just sell him off as a slave, which was basically meant they'd never see him again. And those who know the story in Genesis from chapter 37 to 50, that many years later God turned it for good and he was the one who provided and rescued all of the nation of Israel. So even if you've been a victim of jealousy and envy and strife, which all of us have, if you keep your heart right and you love and forgive and bless others, let me tell you, God will turn it for good in his grace and time. And we all get tested somewhere in the journey of life in these areas. Some of you might be in the middle of it now. I want to encourage the Bible says to pray and bless those who despitefully use you. Those that put posts on uh, um, Facebook that aren't true. And you don't want to be seen to be defending yourself because then it just makes it more confusing. But God's grace, if you pray and bless them and walk with wisdom and grace, you'll see that he will turn it around and bring blessing and breakthrough. And the Spirit of God is there to help us. Genesis 5, uh, Galatians 5.26 says... So may we never be arrogant or look down on another, for each of us is an original. Look at the person beside you. You're an original. There's no one like you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It's not just the colour of the hair or how much hair or no hair you got. It's about what's on the inside. It's about the treasure of who we are, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But if you don't have a healthy sense of identity for yourself, you'll end up comparing yourself with others unnecessarily. And then that's what brings strife and jealousy and envy. We've seen it in families. Brothers and sisters can end up having incredible competitive striving in their lives when it's not what God designed for us. And as parents, we've got to make sure we don't foster that in any unhealthy way. And none of us are perfect parents, but we need to... Make sure we don't feed that. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says, A tender, tranquil heart will make you healthy, 
But jealousy can make you sick. Wow. So it actually says, Proverbs says you can get sick by being jealous. And it can actually undermine your immune system and make you vulnerable to all sorts of stuff. And we've seen that. Proverbs 14.30 in the NIV says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Mate, that's even more direct. Envy rots your bones. So I don't want this stuff in my life at all. And I don't want it in our household. I don't want it in our church. I don't want it in our community. Now that's being idealistic, but we need to understand how this works. Proverbs 27.4 says, The rage and anger of others can be overwhelming, but but it's nothing compared to jealousy's fire. So the Proverbs says jealousy can even be more destructive than rage and anger. Because it fuels all sorts of terrible stuff. Mark 15.10 says, Pilate was fully aware that the religious leaders had handed Jesus over to him because of their sheer spite and envy. Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with him, wanted to release him. But the envy and jealousy that drove the religious leaders, why? Because the crowds are following Jesus and no one's showing up to hear them do their boring stories and all their 613 religious rules that no one wanted to live by and said, well, you're not even living by them yourself, so why would we listen to you? Jesus come and tell an amazing stories, bringing life and hope and truth and encouragement to people. So the crowds followed Jesus. So these other guys, they were terribly envious and jealous and that's what got Jesus killed. Wow, it was driven out of their envy and jealousy and, and God doesn't want us to allow that to be anywhere in our hearts and our lives. James 4, 1 to 3 says, What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. Whoa, that's pretty out there, eh? I started looking at these verses and thought, mate, this is, this is negative stuff. But I've realised that way too many people get tripped up by this and we wonder why we don't live free, victorious lives. And as Christians, let's make sure our hearts are free. And as we walk around in our broken world, let's minister life and truth and hope into this and not be caught with that spirit of strife. Exodus 20, 17, one of the Ten Commandments says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Some of the TV shows, we're all just wanting, oh, if only we had a house like that or a new kitchen like that or a new car like that. Advertising is desired. It's designed to make you unhappy with what you've got so you want to get something new and more. That's the foundation of advertising. And that's not all wrong, but we've got to watch that that doesn't grab our hearts. And then it says, You shall not cover your neighbour's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or donkey. Who's been covering their neighbour's donkey today? Hey? I think we can all say, no, we didn't do that this week. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We get that one out of the way. <laughs> Or their ox. It's good we can tick off a couple of boxes saying, hey, we didn't do that one. <laughs> Make us feel a bit better. <laughs> and goes on and says, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. Wow. Wow. Don't covet because covetors want what they've got. So how are we going to uh, overcome jealousy and envy? 
couple of points. Number one, acknowledge and face it. When it's in our hearts or in other people's hearts, acknowledge and face it. Because sin is deceitful. And sometimes it just grabs our hearts and our minds. Sin is deceitful. 1 John 1, 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I don't become sin conscious. I'm very much Jesus conscious. But sometimes in the process, we ignore some things that eat away at our souls. And this is a little bit of a conscience check today, saying, Lord, I want to make sure my heart and my mind's free. Have I allowed some stuff to just undermine my freedom? Or this can help you now understand what's happened in that workplace where there's been chaos. And God can give you wisdom to bring light and hope and freedom into that workplace because we understand the real issues. We can't change their heart, but we can bring forgiveness and hope and truth into that. But our hearts need to be free. And we, we need to carry this hope and love of Jesus. So number one, acknowledge and face it. Number two, ask God to forgive you when you sin with these attitudes and the actions that can follow. 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love A-double-L. Not just, not just for those that are good, not just for those that have prayed more, not just for those who go to church three times a week. It is all unrighteousness. The Passion says, But if we freely admit our sins when His light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ and He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, that we are free by His blood. Confession of sin is the way to find restoration and unbroken fellowship with God. It cleanses the conscience and removes every obstacle from communion with Christ. Confession does not gain God's acceptance, for that was won for us forever by the sacrifice of Christ. It's on the basis of being His dearly loved children that we restore intimacy with God through our tender-hearted confession before Him. God will always be faithful to restore our first love passion for Him. There is no need to confess the same sins over and over, for that is ignoring the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. All of our sins were paid for on the cross and we can do nothing to remove them, but confession acknowledges God's faithfulness to restore our intimacy with Him. Our Father and our forgiving Redeemer fills the heavens with grace towards every believer, even when we're sinning and still walking through our weaknesses. Wow, that is really, really good news. Sadly, some of us have been brought up in households or churches where there's been a lot of condemnation and guilt and shame. And, and we keep saying, we keep confessing, hoping that one day God will hear us. Hey, He hears you the first time you do it, He forgives your sin. Sometimes we've had patterns of behaviour that we have to come back regularly and say, Jesus, forgive me again because I, I want to change. And so we're asking God to change us and to set us free. And thank God for His grace and the finished work of the cross. It says that you will have, you'll be set free from all unrighteousness. In this context means the sins we're not aware of. Confession cleanses no one's sin and restores fellowship with God. But God's faithfulness in seeing Christ as our sin bearer cleanses us from all unknown sin as well. The sins of commission and omission. Thank God for that. Wow, that's so good. If we do but one thing, confess our sin, God will do four things. One, He will demonstrate His, unfailing love, his faithful love. 
Number two, he'll demonstrate justice by counting our sins paid for by Christ. Three, he'll forgive us every sin. And four, he continues a deeper work of cleansing from all aspects of sin's defilement. So he actually changes our way of life and living and attitudes. That's our amazing, amazing Christ. A couple more to wrap it up. You want to move free from this? Forgive others. If we hold offence against others, then we are locked up in a prison cell. Ephesians 4.32 says, But instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. And we've just got to remember that when someone's really hurt you and offended you and we're thinking, mate, I just can't bear that and God get them. You know, I love the Psalms because David sometimes says, God get them. But by the end of the chapter, he says, God, thank you for your grace on me and Lord, I forgive them. <laughs> so the Psalms are good. If you're going through a tough time, just read some of them and uh, read the whole Psalm. Don't stop at verse 2. Read the whole Psalm and it'll help your life. It really will. <laughs> and that's the grace of God. It goes on in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God in everything you do. For then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters and continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ for he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. Wow. And sometimes when we're worshiping and praying, you just feel like this healing fragrance comes over our lives. Sometimes when you're home just reading your devotions, you just feel his love come over our hearts. If you want to walk free from jealousy and envy, trust in God to provide for you and to protect your character and reputation. Run your race, not try and run someone else's race. Wow, that gets rid of comp competition and jealousy and envy. Run your race. Say, God, what do you call me to be and do? Run it with all your heart and let other people run theirs. And lastly, you need to love and respect people. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous. Wow, God's love refuses to be jealous. If it tries to get a hold of your heart saying, it's not fair, God, you've blessed them and they got more. You refuse to let that take root in your heart and mind. Say, no, I'm not going down that track. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate um, its own experience. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. In a crowd like this today, there'll be some of us, we're wrestling through dealing with some offence in our life. Maybe it's a, a parent or a brother or sister or a son or a grandchild or a workmate or a neighbour. Hey, offences happen. Jesus said they'll happen, but it's what you do with them will determine how free you live. And that's where God's, we need God's grace to help us. Back to John, James 3, 17 in the message to wrap it up. Real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honour. Wow, that's a reminder from Scripture today. Lord, help us to treat others with dignity and honour.
as the worship team comes. I'm reminded of John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So they're going to know Jesus by how we treat one another, by not making space for jealousy or envy or offense or coveting to rule our hearts. And we all get tested on it because we're human. And I preach this message today not because we've got major issues in our church. It's God says, hey, we need to understand this so we can live free and we can run in freedom and we can demonstrate Jesus' true life to our community and to your family. It's, we need to understand. I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on jealousy in my life in 40 years, but this week God says, I, need, I want you to teach on this. So there it is. Let's not let it rule our hearts. Let's live in... Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.